Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Michael McIntyre. better physical condition for, for, the, for the special. <laughs> I planned on it, but, you know, it's not really happened. I wouldn't have mentioned it, it's just that this suit was cut bespokely for my body about a year ago, and it's not a body I have anymore, unfortunately. It's got a little clingy, a bit tuggy. I've found I have to express myself, gesticulate below this line. You'll see, mostly, I'll need to express myself down here tonight <laughs> because when I raise my arms beyond that this has started <laughs> Jackie Boobs ladies and gentlemen an incredibly unfortunate side effect of the tight jacket I've got a bit chubby cheek chubby cheek I've got the old chubby cheeks going on at the moment um, Unfortunately, due to the chubby cheek situation, um, a few problems. I got a phone, um, I don't know when it was, about a year ago. The new iPhone, it's got Face ID. You know, when you first get it, you look at it, it maps your face, and then it remembers you every time you look at it, it becomes unlocked. Not from a code, just from your face. Well, now my phone no longer recognises my fat face. <laughs> just stares at me as if to say, who's that fat thief? Have you stolen Michael's phone? I can't unlock it, but I have to do this. Mm. <laughs> it's because I'm getting older, you see. My wife and I were the same age. Little things have started changing. For years, everything was the same. Everything was the same. But now we can feel it creeping in. It's not exactly old age, but little, little differences. For example, we can't stay up at night. We, we pass out. <laughs> Every single... About 9.30 is a late one for us. <laughs> we get so tired. You know, when you click on the Netflix thing, and it goes, boom-boom. That's the sound of my wife and I's head hitting the pillow and passing out. <laughs> I can't get behind it. <laughs> Another thing has started happening now. Which I have to say, I'm not proud of this. I'm actually very disappointed that this has happened so young in my life. It's not happening every night. But I have started occasionally waking up in the middle of the night needing a pee. <laughs> which is a very... Depressing development. There's an elder gentleman who applauded that. What a, what a funny moon. Oh, I'm there with you, my friend. <laughs> my bladder used to be fine, like many young bladders in this room. I'd go to sleep at night. I'd be like, night blad. My bladder would be like, night Mikey, sleep well, I will. I'd wake up in the morning, my bladder's like, look, we are full down here, but no cause for alarm. Next time you're passing the loo, I will need emptying. But chill out, relax, no rush on this. Have some breakfast, have some juices, have some smoothies, tea, coffee, whatever you want. Cereal, more milk, don't mind if you do. I've got this till at least noon. Well, not anymore. Now, when I'm deep asleep in the middle of the night, my bladder sends messages to my brain to give me dreams that I'm pissing myself. <laughs> this is how it wakes me up. I'm having a normal anxiety dream. I'm back at school. 
I'm in an exam, I haven't revised for, I'm just having a weird dream. And then I look down, oh, and I've peed my pants as well. I wake up in a panic. Have I pissed my pants? I look down, my bladder's like, nearly. We've got to go now, up, now. And you lie there. I don't want to get up. It's three o'clock in the morning, I don't want to. And you fight it, but your blood is insistent. I'm afraid you have to wake up. It's a very dangerous situation down here. I don't think I can handle it. So that involves getting out of the bed and going around the bed, out of the door, into the bathroom, which is over there, right? Round the bed, because my wife is there. She's closest to the door. That's her side. This is my side, that's her side. It's been that way for 20 years. It will never, ever change. We all have our sides. Have you ever gone onto your partner's side? It's the weirdest sensation. <laughs> it's the same room, but it looks really weird from here. I don't like it. So I've got to go around the bed, and I can't wake her up. I cannot wake my wife. If my wife is awoken in the night, she won't get back to sleep. She'll blame me. She'll be, ah, oh, why did you have to wake me up? Why did you make so much noise? So I have to make sure she stays asleep. And also, if she wakes up in the night, she will inevitably go on her phone, which means she will inevitably buy shoes. She buys <laughs> so many shoes on her phone on online shopping. She, is, she buys shoes when she's in the bath. She buys shoes at traffic lights. She bought a pair of shoes on the way up a roller coaster. She's addicted. <laughs> it's costing a fortune. Little bit of an insight into how bad it is. The other night I was lying in bed on my laptop. She's next to me on her mobile phone. The children are both in the room as well. They're both on iPads and the television is on in front of us. It's a wonderful modern family scene. <laughs> It's not like we don't chat as a family. Sometimes there's a WhatsApp ping and we discuss whose phone it was. Ping! Was that you? I think it was me. Darling, I think your phone just went, thank you, right you are. And then we get back to our devices. <laughs> I was on internet banking at the time. I could see money coming out of the account <laughs> in real time. Every time I refreshed it, we had less money in the bank. Are you doing this right now, darling? But these shoes are so beautiful, darling. I just had to. I just had to. If it upsets you, stop refreshing. Please leave us something for the morning. <laughs> so I can't wake her up. Can't wake her up. It's going to cost a fortune. So I've got to creep around and get to the loo. That is easier said than done. On account of the floorboards. I never realised we had creaky floorboards until I started creeping around on them in the middle of the night. I've never noticed the floorboards make a noise in the daytime. As soon as my foot steps out of the bed in the dead of night, I can see my wife stirring in her sleep. Harana is subconsciously reaching for her mobile. No! I try and find a non-creaky... Fan until I started peeing in the night. <laughs> I go into the loo, you turn the lights on. <laughs> what are we extracting? I haven't started yet. <laughs> the loudest thing in the world. It's going to wake my wife up. And there's not two switches. There's not a switch. There's not a switch for light and a switch 
for extraction. They're on the same circuit. So you, if you want the light on, you have to go, which will definitely wake my wife up. So it means peeing in the darkness. <laughs> so it's all about sound. You have to be very sensitive to noise because you're waiting for the splash. <laughs> but you can't pee into the water. That's too noisy. That will wake my wife up. So you wait for the water and then immediately retreat to find the sweet spot of the bowl surrounding the water. Yes, there's acknowledgments of night peeing. Darkness, urination. And sometimes you're peeing and you hear a different sound and you're like, ooh, I think that's the floor. I think I'm peeing on the floor. I'm overcompensated. Then you put the light on. Yep, I've pissed on the floor. Then you have to get the loo roll out. You throw that down. You create a sort of foot mop situation as you remove your own pee from the bathroom floor. How's your life going, Michael? Well, I'm just foot mopping piss at 3.20 a.m. Other than that, really, really happy. <laughs> then it's back to bed. <laughs> Soon as I get into the bedroom, I can see my wife's face glowing. <laughs> the phone, like a horror movie. You can see shoes in her eyeballs. You have to make so much fucking noise, Michael. <laughs> I've bought three pairs of shoes there. <laughs> Damn! That piss cost me 600 quid. What's that? I'm thinking about getting a catheter just to save money. <laughs> I've actually started. And this is good advice for you. I've started having a Barocca before bed. Then I get glow-in-the-dark pee, and I can see exactly the situation. <laughs> but I know where the... I, I'm starting to actually learn where the creeks are. I actually... I get out of bed and I'm like, I know where to avoid. I'm getting quite good at it. I think as I get older, I'll get more and more brilliant at it. By the time I'm 80, I'll be like Ninja Warrior, sort of stealth-pissing pensioner in the middle <laughs> Barely any piss will come out at that age. <laughs> Before realising that, he peed in the spare room cupboard, but this is all <laughs> to come, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but the good news is, the only positive to come out of getting up in the night to pee is it does give me the opportunity, while my wife is asleep, to readjust the temperature in the bedroom because she likes to sleep in arctic conditions. <laughs> she sleeps with the window open and she calls it room temperature. <laughs> I'm like, darling, that's not room temperature if the window is open. That's garden temperature. <laughs> you might as well sleep in a tent outside. It's freezing. Can we close the window, put the heating on? No, we can't have the heating on in the bedroom. You know we'll get sore throats. Well, my throat is quite sore with the icicles falling in it. But I don't mind. She can have what she likes. It's fine. We, we live together. If she wants it freezing, I'll put another blanket on. It'll be fine. My issue with it is 
Her relationship with temperature makes no sense at all. Why does she want the bedroom? So absolutely freezing. But her bath is the hottest thing known to man. There's lava, and then there's my wife's bath. When she's in the bath, steam fills the house. People are driving down our road with fog lights on, going, what's happened in that building? And often she calls out from the bath, through the steam, Michael, would you like this bath after me? <laughs> what, to cook pasta in? No. <laughs> Danger. Because we've all done that. We've all got into a bath that's too hot. And it's normally our own fault. We don't have time to wait. When we run the hot tap, when we run the cold, we don't have time to wait for the full, proper temperature to reveal itself. You just have a... That should be fine. You go away into your busy life and you come back and you normally know as soon as your foot goes in. As soon as it goes in, you normally go, Ooh, I've, I've run that a bit too hot. But often you don't realise it until you're in already. You get in and you start lowering yourself because it takes a while for the information that your feet are burning <laughs> to reach your brain where the information has to go to tell you about it. Because it's a really quite a long way for the information to travel. So you start lowering yourself and you're thinking, something doesn't feel altogether right here. Then it just hits you. Ah! You have a split-second decision. Do I stay or do I go? And many times you just go, I can't! Oh, my God, I can't! And you end up standing naked in your bathroom. You look down. You've got these sort of red skin socks of pain. Ow! Look what I did to myself. Then you have to empty the hot out, put cold in, which involves sacrificing your arm to plunge to the pluck. Pluck plunging. Very dangerous. You look at your arm as if to say, this will hurt, I do apologise. Brace yourself. Sometimes you can't get a purchase. You're like, I could lose my arm! But the braver amongst us, there's many here tonight, and I count myself amongst you, will hover paddle. This is where you get into the bath. Even though it hurts, and you hover over the surface, you get the cold on, and you start paddling like a maniac. We can change this. It's getting better all the time now. Be brave! Be brave! Then you inherently know it's time to change direction now. Come on! It's getting better, it's getting better. Come on. And then you have to test it. How is the water going? Is it ready? to fully submerge. And you do this with your bottom. You select your bottom, and the task of your bottom is simply to dip in to see, is it ready? How's it going? How's it going? This is where I forget, unfortunately, that I have balls. <laughs> it's not so much that I forget. It's more the angle of dangle. Means that my balls are now the closest thing to the surface of the water, not my bottom after all. And it comes as a nasty surprise. Ah! It's the most sensitive part of the human body. It's the last part of the human body, let's be honest, that you would volunteer to test boiling water with. No one's ever handed me a cup of tea and said, Michael, this might be a little bit on the hot side. Well, we shall soon find out, my friend.
with my hover paddle hardened bollocks there, my friend. Thirsty <laughs> work. Thirsty work here. This is a bottled water. They've taken the label off it because of advertising, because they're worried that people watching Netflix might want to uh, look like me. <laughs> Can you imagine? What does he drink? <laughs> it's uh, Evian, of course. Uh, <laughs> do you wonder it? Evian, Livion, Evian. Yeah. Middle-class people love bottled water, don't they? they? It's a colourless, odourless, tasteless liquid, that it tastes the same no matter what brand you get. It's a miracle of branding and marketing that people prefer different ones. So I like Vast, I like Fiji, I like Buxton. I'm a Highland Spring guy. <laughs> it's the same, same water. And they get very offended. You must have seen this in restaurants when the waiter comes over. Can we get you a drink? Can I get you a drink? Oh, yes, can we just have water, please? Just still water. We're fine with just still water. Sometimes the waiter goes, tap. <laughs> it's a horrible moment. It's like he's just said, puddle. <laughs> and he scoops some from the pavement. It rained earlier. <laughs> and people are so offended. Uh, excuse me, how dare you? You're trying to poison me and my children. Do you not have any respect? Do you think I can't afford bottled water? We'll have Avion, please, or something. There's a picture of a mountain on the bottle. We find it reassuring. We don't want your disgusting tap water. We don't know the condition of your taps and your tanks and your pipes. How revolting. Your rat-infested tanks. Water that's been drained and flushed for centuries. You're trying to give that to me. How revolting. <laughs> Ice? Yes, could you freeze the shit water and put it into the bottled water? Because we haven't thought this through at all. We're like a slow death, a slow release of poisoned rat water into the purity of Evian. <laughs> so this is a combination of um, a tour I've been doing for a while, on and off, all around the world. Big world tour. Big world tour. <laughs> And I suppose it's amazingly exciting to be home at the end of it because I've been far-flung, far-flung places. Probably the furthest I've been is the furthest anybody's been from here, which is New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, New Zealand's amazing. I love New Zealand. Um, but it takes 24 hours, as you know, to get there from here. And that's a, that's a day of your life gone, just gone. It's insane. And the jet lag is monumental. So I landed in Auckland, New Zealand. And I thought, I've got to get onto the time zone as quickly as possible. So I pulled out the bezel of my watch and I said to the stewardess, excuse me, what's the time difference here? I just want to get, get onto the new time difference, time zone. What's the time difference here? She went, it's 12 years ahead, the time difference in New Zealand. It's 12 years ahead. We're 12 years ahead of New Zealand. <laughs> so I started to wind my watch 12 hours. <laughs> and I noticed my peripheral vision. She was looking at me like I was an idiot. <laughs> I thought, what's her problem? She needs to jog on. <laughs> I got about eight hours in and I realised, oh right, I'm going to land in exactly the same place that I started. <laughs> so, so rather than look a fool, I wound it back. Thank you. I'll be fine from here. Thank you for your help. But they, do, they talk like that in New Zealand. They they talk right on the front of their mouths like this. It's quite fast, it's quite pacey. And basically they just change the vowels. They have a strange relationship with vowels. They get to a vowel and they just pick another one and go with that one instead. Because <laughs> Australia is a little bit different. It's much slower in Australia. They take their time. In fact, the they love the vowels. When they see a vowel, they're just like, we're going to stay there. <laughs> I see no reason 
to rush this sentence, mate. We're going to stay in the vowel. But New Zealand, it's all about changing the vowel. And I had a bit of an incident on account of this vowel-changing situation, and I'm going to be honest and upfront, it was quite rude. Um, but it's funny. <laughs> when I was checking into the hotel in Auckland, um, she wanted to tell me, the receptionist, about this new swimming pool that they built on the sixth floor. Six. The sixth floor. Um, and surrounding the pool was a deck uh, with an E. And it was known as the deck. And in the lift, it went, the deck. <laughs> I was checking in and she said, so while you're staying here, Mr McIntyre, are you going to spend some time sitting on the dick? <laughs> that is an astonishing assumption to make of me. She said, there's a lovely big dick on the sex floor. <laughs> there's a lovely big dick on the sex floor? What kind of a place is this? The dick is just for hanging out. No, it isn't. <laughs> Careful, it can get a little bit slippery up there. It's hardwood. Oh, please behave. <laughs> and then I went to Australia while I was there. Obviously, nipped over to Australia. It's beautiful. I love Australia. I love Australians. They're really nice people. We've got some Australians over here. Welcome. I love them. I love them. Really, really full on, really happy. They love when you come over, they're just so grateful. Fucking hell, you came all the way, you're just brilliant. <laughs> and it's like a holiday destination, it's beautiful. The beaches are beautiful, the landscape's magnificent. The only problem, with all due respect, is the, um, the sharks have decided <laughs> that that's where they should be. And they circle Australia, waiting for Australians to get into the water. And guess what? Australians keep getting into the water. <laughs> I, was, I went to the beach with some Australians. They're like, you're going to come in for a swim, Mickey? You're going to come and relax, cool off, come for a swim? It's lovely in the water today. No, I don't think so. I'll be, I'll be fine. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Because there are sharks in there. Yeah, not always. <laughs> the fact that there's ever been one is enough for me. <laughs> ah, come on, Mickey. You've got to live your life. Yes, until it ends. Maybe today. <laughs> with a shark attack, you see? He said, you've got more chance of being hit by a car. Not when I'm fucking swimming, I don't. I'll be staying here on the beach. I'll be right here. I'll pull off another way. So while I was in Australia, I did see, unfortunately, a gentleman. This isn't, this isn't funny, but he was fine. He was fine. He was, there was a shark attack incident, but he was fine. There was, he just got bitten on the arm. It wasn't great. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. The point I'm trying to make is that I passionately believe that this shark attack would not have happened if he hadn't have got into the water. <laughs> He's lying in his hospital bed being interviewed on the news. There's a reporter on the end of his bed. He's got his arm up in a thing. He's got his neck in a brace on it. She's like, so just if you can, if, you, if it's all right, could you just talk us through, talk us through, see what, what happened? He's like, yeah, well, I was, I was just, I, I was just, I was just surfing in the ocean. And then this shark literally came out of nowhere. <laughs> Not exactly. The shark was in its natural habitat. You're the one who literally came out of nowhere and offered yourself as a light snack. And a plate, literally, on a long, thin, 
jumped out of the water. It's not like he's being interviewed in his hospital bed and he's like, I was, I was on the fourth floor of my Melbourne apartment <laughs> unloading the dishwasher. I pulled out the top rack to put my mug in and this shark literally came out of nowhere and tapped me on the arm. I was on an internal flight to Adelaide. I looked out playing as a fucking shark on the wing. I will attempt an accent. You've probably noticed. I'll give it a go. Um, I like accents. You know, it doesn't matter where you go in the world. They've developed their own little way of talking. <laughs> I don't know how it starts. Nobody knows how it evolves. Beautiful ones, you go to Italy, but it's so beautiful in Italy. They speak so beautiful. They, I don't know how it evolved, but they decided the, the most sexy way of communication <laughs> is to talk with an Italian accent. It's so sexy. Everybody loves the way I'm talking. Yeah? <laughs> you go to France, a little bit pissed off, but it's still pretty cool. We decided to the Of all the accents in the world, the one I think maybe they should, should change. And I don't want to disrespect anybody here who may be from there. But for me, it's the Northern Irish accent. <laughs> what on earth is going on there? It's not an easy one to do. They've, they've decided in Northern Ireland that the best, the best, the best way to communicate is right, right at the back of their throat like that. Just, just licking noises in a Northern Ireland. Sometimes you don't even know what they're saying. We're just going to make noises. And a Northern Air Hack, and we're just gonna do it later. What are you doing here? I don't even know what you're doing near me. <laughs> How does it start? Because babies are like, Wah! No, it's, We're <laughs> gonna stay here, you're gonna do that. Like a read in the back later, fucking read in the back later. The Northern Irish accent is the, it's the only time I've ever heard somebody sneeze, and I could tell where they were from <laughs> from the sneeze. I was in Dubai airport, and this bloke sitting next to me just went... <laughs> Ache! Oh, Are you from Northern Ireland? I am, I'm from Belfast. Thought as much. It's fun though, there. It's nice, nice place. Did some good shows in Belfast. Really good audience. Up for it. Nice people. Friendly, welcoming. Had some time to kill while I was there. So I went to what was, what is the most successful tourism destination they've ever had in the whole of Northern Ireland. It's called the Titanic Quarter, and it's all about the building of the Titanic that was built in Belfast, and it's something they're incredibly <laughs> proud of. <laughs> It's like they don't know what happened to the Titanic. <laughs> Where they built it. I went round this museum and I said to somebody working there, I'm so sorry, but you do know what happened to the Titanic. <laughs> it, just went, it was fine when it left here. <laughs> That's the point, mate. So while I was there, I had these gigs in America coming up. Americans are... Um, well, they're an amazing audience, I've got to tell you. I mean, they're amazing. As an audience, look at you, they're so, you can see them just ready. Oh, look at you! Yes! They're wild, wild. Because with all due respect to British people, and I want you to know, I am one, so I'm the same as you. <laughs> when I went to America, they were, I did the show in America, they were wild, whooping, cheering, laughing and everything. I went on social media after the show. Everything was in capitals. Michael McIntyre was awesome. He blew the roof off. He was incredible! Because I don't get that here, I'm going to be honest with you. The best I get 
from British people is he didn't disappoint. <laughs> Even when we're happy, we have to reference our disappointing loves. The other one I get here is surprisingly good. Why are you so surprised? You bought the tickets! British people go out with no expectations. I'm not planning on much entertainment this evening. <laughs> Surprisingly good, wasn't it? <laughs> so of all the places I went on my tour around the world, I think the funnest one, the most unexpectedly fun one, for me has to be um, when I did these shows in Asia. I had never gigged in Asia. I did Hong Kong and Singapore, back to back. I'd never even actually been to Asia before. And this might come as a surprise to many of you to find out that I'm not <laughs> an Asian person. <laughs> I realise I look Asian. Especially when I smile, I get more and more Asian. Now, <laughs> I've looked into this. My parents, not Asian. Everybody in my ancestry, also not from Asia. My children in no way resemble Asian people. I am the sole Asian representative <laughs> of my house and family, and nobody understands why that's happened. <laughs> Even I myself mistook myself for an Asian gentleman in what was a very, very depressing moment. I was coming off an aeroplane, and you know when they leave newspapers there for you to grab on all the way off? And I'm coming off in that funnel bit, you know, the funnel bit. Long haul flight, not really paying attention. And I notice in the corner of my eye that I'm on the front page of the Daily Mail. And my heart sunk. I thought, oh, what have I done? Oh my God, something's happened. Something must have broken when I was in the sky. Oh my, what, oh my, what is it? Oh my God. It was Kim Jong Un. <laughs> There's a more depressing moment in my life, I'm yet to experience it. The sad truth is that I could probably unlock Kim Jong-un's iPhone <laughs> with my fat Asian face. Maybe the FBI will send me into the Pyongyang Palace to steal government secrets in the dead of night. <laughs> How are you with creeping around bedrooms while people are trying to stay asleep? I practice that nightly, sir. I'm your man. Just give me a schematic of all the creaks on the floorboards and we'll be fine. <laughs> while I was in uh, Asia, in Hong Kong, a very, very exciting development occurred. Um, this was very unexpected. Now, I should tell you that I'm married to a beautiful woman. She's out of my league. Um, she's, like, properly... She's hot. And I know that she's out of my league because everybody who meets us and meets her tells us immediately. They can't help it. They just look at us and go, why? <laughs> she is a 10. She's a 10. No doubt about it, she's a 10. I am like, well, maybe with a diet and a, and a tan and, a, and a, great, a great distance and a short-sighted <laughs> affliction and a low lighting, maybe a six <laughs> or a five. I'm feeling it's a four from this reaction. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I don't care. Because in Hong Kong, 
drunk at nine. <laughs> this is the look they go for. Because I've got this sort of, is he Asian, is he not Asian, cool British, James Bondy thing going on. As soon as I got off the plane, girls were giggling. <laughs> I was like, what? I thought, I didn't know what, what had happened. No one had ever reacted to me like that. Girls were coming up to me like, excuse me, oh my God, where are you from? That's such an interesting face. Oh, hello. I knew they fancied me because they were lowering their face masks to flirt. <laughs> hello, stranger. How you doing? This one girl came to me and she went, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Are you a model? <laughs> Am I a model? No, what are you talking about? She said, you look exactly like the man from the Paco Rabanne adverts. There's an advertising company in Hong Kong for Paco Rabanne. I look exactly like the guy there. If anything, I'm better looking than this guy. In Hong Kong, I'm a Paco Rabanne model. In this country, I've been offered Zero advertising work whatsoever. Unless Giacomo come out with a new jacket boob range, I don't think that's going to be changing in the near future. Shop at Giacomo with a new jacket boob range. Comes in all sizes of boobs. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Doesn't matter. Hong Kong, gorgeous. Fortunately, this did lead to a quite embarrassing uh, situation. My wife's always trying to look after me. She wasn't with me. Um, I was touring alone, but I couldn't sleep. I kept whining about it. I'm jet-lagged. So she put me in for a massage in the hotel spa. She said, I've been reading about it. It's world-renowned. Have a massage. It'll help you sleep. So I go downstairs to the spa. You know, lift doors open. There's candles and low music. There's a few girls on reception. They're giggling as I walk over because I'm gorgeous, but I'm used to it now. <laughs> it's almost annoying. He's coming over. He's coming over. It's the cousin This one girl lowered her face mask and started putting red lipstick on. I can't believe it's him! <laughs> then she put the face mask over her lips. It was seeping through the mask by the time I got there. She looked like the Joker in Batman. Not a good look. I said, I'm here for my massage. She said, OK, what you want to do is you want to go to the men's um, locker room, just down there on the right. And in there, you'll find a locker. Um, there's a robe in there and some slippers. Pop those on and then go straight on and your therapist will meet you. Enjoy. So I went through and sure enough, I found a locker. There was a robe in there and some slippers. Just what I was expecting. But there was also something I wasn't expecting at all. A tiny packet of disposable massage underwear. <laughs> no man should be wearing these, let me tell you. There was a string that went round one hip, a string that went round the other, and then barely any fabric at all in the middle here. But as I say, I'd never seen these disposable massage pants before. I assumed it was a face mask for my face. <laughs> so the side stringy bits I hooked onto my ears. And I put my face where my balls were supposed to be housed. Put the robe on and the slippers, and I start coming down the corridor with these pants on my face. I got into the massage room, the girl was like, pants on your face! I took it off, she's like, oh, it's the man from back on the van! 
lovely lady. Isn't it nice? Just, just for this, just for this, while we're doing the show, to not be on our phones. But it's nice, isn't it? Look at all of us. It's such a rarity. Look at us all. No one. No one's on their phone. You probably used your phones to book your tickets for tonight. It's very easy. You go online, you go to the theatre, you can pick your seats. It's all very easy to do when you're booking things online. But there's a weird thing that's going on when you're booking tickets. It doesn't always happen, and nobody knows what the hell it's all about. You're booking your tickets online, and it suddenly just goes, Are you a robot? <laughs> Extraordinary question. No one's ever suspected I'm anything other than a human. And you tick the box and you go, no, I'm not a robot. This is really weird. Can we carry on? And they go, no. The computer goes, no, we can't carry on. We're going to have to run some tests to confirm that you are human. I'm not a robot. And you think, well, this should be the easiest test I've ever taken. I'm going to ace this test. All I have to do is prove my humanity. I've, pre I've, I've fathered other humans. I'm definitely not a robot. Come on, anything you've got, this is such a waste of time. What are the questions? Okay, so here are some boxes. Which one is a shop front? Oh, why is this so difficult? Where are these creepy middle American shops anyway? Sometimes the shop is bleeding into more than one box. What are we supposed to do? Do we just tick the main box or all the boxes around it? What are the rules of this robot quiz? So you go, that one, that one, and I'm just guessing that one. And you press send, it goes, no, you got that wrong. We still suspect you might be a robot. How are you with bridges? I don't know. I thought I was good at shops. Sometimes I get so many wrong in a row, I'm like, darling, am I a robot? You would tell me. My kids, I realised the other day, they don't even know of a time when there was no internet. Their whole life, they've had internet. They can't fathom how... They ask the question, how did you survive? And I have no answer. I don't really remember. I don't really remember. But we can think back now to the dawn of the internet. Remember those first few years when we always said www dot before every website? What a waste of time that was. Why did it take us three years to realise all the websites start with www. You can get us at our website, www.amazon.com. It's www.ebay.com. www.shopadvisor.com. Some of them must be so painful. The World Wrestling Federation. You can catch us on our website, www.wwwf.com. Every day having to say that shit. The World Wildlife Fund. Of course, don't forget to donate at www.wwwf.com. We must have wasted a fortnight of our lives just going www. And think back, think back now. Now that the internet is so much a part of our lives, think back, think back to our first password because our minds, our brains are so filled with passwords. It's such a struggle for us to remember all the passwords. We go to businesses online and you go, I can't remember, I can't remember my password. And you put it, sometimes they lock you out and they go, no, you've got one more try to remember your own password, you fucking idiot. Oh. 
Or you click, I forgot it, and they ask you questions about your life and you don't even remember the answers. They're about your own life. What is your favourite pet? Oh, no, I can't believe I chose one. <laughs> the dog walks in. If it doesn't me, I'm leaving. I'm literally walking out the door. <laughs> The password. And at the beginning, we all had one password. It was our, it was our first password. We can nostalgically remember. And we used it for everything. Every time we joined another business. Can I have your password? Yes, you can. That is my special word. <laughs> and then companies started getting quite rude. You would put your password in and it would go, weak. Who are you <laughs> to judge my special word? And they're like, I'm sorry, but the internet has become very popular. We need to strengthen your password. And businesses would insist we must have from you a capital letter. I'm sorry, we will not be accepting passwords anymore unless it contains at least one capital letter. <laughs> and we all momentarily considered our options before deciding to capitalise the first letter <laughs> of our password. And for a period of time, that was fine. But the internet became even more popular. And then businesses started saying, I'm afraid you cannot join unless you have at least one capital letter and at least one number. <laughs> Again, less than half a microsecond's consideration before we collectively decided you shall be getting the number one. <laughs> and that will be at the end of my now capitalised password. <laughs> and for a period of time, this was acceptable until a whole new, unexpected and exciting dawn emerged. A world of special characters. <laughs> we didn't even know what they were. And businesses would say, we need a capital letter. We need a number, but we will also require a special character. And we clicked on the button. Please, can I have some examples of these special characters which you now insist upon? And we perused them. There they are. I had no idea these characters were so special. Until all of our eyes stopped upon the exclamation mark. <laughs> You're coming with me. Which we then put at the end of our now capitalised password, just after the one. <laughs> and it's at this moment that everybody at the London Palladium is thinking, I should probably change my password. <laughs> I'm probably going to do that tomorrow. I'll do that now. I need to think of another special word. Got to get that changed. <laughs> But this is it. This is what's happening, of course, in the 20s, in the 20s, 2020s, in the 2020s. Technology will only improve. It's supposed to make our lives easier. Sometimes, in my opinion, a little bit too easy. I just got a new car. Everything is automated. I don't do a thing for myself in this car. It gets dark. The headlights come on. On their own. It starts raining. The windscreen wipers come on, on their own. But it means that you're physically doing less in the car. And let's be honest, it all adds up. It all adds up if you get lazy and everything's done for you. Like, there are young people here who use the expression, can you roll the window up? Can you roll the window down? Oi, mum, can you roll the window up? Roll the window down, roll the window up. But their whole lives have been pushing buttons like this, pushing buttons. They know nothing of the decades 
that we spent physically doing this trip. Not easy. Often it would get stuck. It was quite... Good for your bicep. Don't need to go to the gym. Just roll the window down. Sometimes when the window was all the way down, it would start raining. It would be amazing. A super fast window. <laughs> the passenger one leaning over and doing that. You could try them both at the same time if you're feeling confident. Don't go to the gym. To move the seat in my new car, it's all done by buttons. There's a button next to the seat. You move it to go forward. You move it to go back. The backrest. All pushing buttons. That's all you're doing with your fingers. Back in the day, of course, there'd be a lever between your legs. You'd lift it up and it would shoot you <laughs> along rails into the back seat of the car. Hello. I'm in the back now. You could see the rails in front of you like a mini roller coaster in reverse. Then you'd have to shag your way <laughs> to your favourite driving position. Very good for your core. Often you would overshag. You would overshag all the way, whoa, to the steering wheel. Then have to backshag with sensitivity. Gentlemen of the 70s were much better lovers. They were always shagging up and down in the cortina for practice just to find their favoured driving position. So I had a bit of a weird moment in the car the other day with, um, <clears throat> with my wife. Now look, my relationship, and I don't know if I speak for all men here, I feel like it's a never-ending quest with my wife to find out what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> I never quite know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So we're driving in the car and she's in the passenger seat. Very odd this was. I go past a parking space, I realise I've gone past it, and I go, oh, I need to reverse. So I just do a classic move, we've all seen this, I put my arm around her, sort of, you know, lean up like that, you know, sort of, you know, and then reverse quite fast. <laughs> and then wind it into a space. Nice. Felt pretty good. Decent manoeuvre, didn't think much of it, didn't make a thing. My wife looks at me and she goes, ooh, I find that really sexy. <laughs> I have no idea what she was talking about. I'm looking outside the car. What? What happened? Did something... What are you talking about? She said, I've always found that really sexy when men do that. What men? What men are you talking about? Who are these sexy men? What are you talking about? She said, just when you reverse like that, I've always found that really sexy and you don't normally do that. Do what? What are you... What are you talking about? Just when you put your arm around me and then reverse really fast. Ooh, I've always found that really sexy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I've been focusing mainly in the bedroom for the last 20 years of our relationship to arouse you. It would have taken me a billion years before I attempted manoeuvres in the car as part of foreplay. What's the plan for date night? Should we just drive around in reverse and you tell me when you're up for it? I'm happy to do that now, seeing as we're here. She said, Michael, I can't help what I find sexy. I said, well, if there's anything else really weird that you find sexy, then I should know about. She said, well, let me have a think. I said, well, please do. She said, oh, there is one thing that men do. Sorry, who are the men that you speak of? It's just that you don't do it, Michael. Do what? She said, you know when men take their sweater off? You know when they take their jumper off? And they just reach behind their back and then <laughs> just take it off in one go. She said, oh, oh. <laughs> Such moaning. Oh. I find that really sexy. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
What are you talking about? <laughs> they just reach behind their back and then <laughs> just take their jumper off. You don't find my way sexy? <laughs> when I get the sleeves and I slowly and expertly work my way up. I do not find that sexy. So I thought, fine, I'm going to put this to the test. Banked it. Yeah? A few weeks later, date night. Went out, good night, a few drinks, nice meal. Came home, kids are asleep, happened to be in a sweater. Thought, I'm going to bloody go for it. I didn't realise it would be difficult. I didn't realise I had to practise this move. Nor did I realise it was one of the tighter necklines in my wardrobe. So I just reached behind my back and I just went for it. I pulled as hard as I could and my head got stuck in the rim. <laughs> it was like I was being born very slowly. A definite forceps delivery. Also, and I was, I was upset about this, my shirt came up with the jumper. So my tummy was just wobbling around blah, blah, in the open. But, and this was after dinner. Blah, 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 blah. Don't fill up on bread, Michael, but it's hot. It's warm. Blah, 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 blah. You're going to finish those potatoes. They're so yummy. Shame to go to waste. Should we share a dessert? Fuck that. I'll have my own. Petty fours. Don't mind if I do. And I was pulling it so hard to keep it sexy. It took a while, and I finally popped out the top. She wasn't there. She fucked up. Babe, I did the sexy jumper thing. You missed it. I thought we could drive around in reverse for a bit and then maybe go to bed. So here, ladies and gentlemen, is a bit of an overshare. Hashtag. Too much information. I said to her after all this stuff, I said, babe, 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 I'm tired of this trial and error approach. Why don't we should just communicate? Why don't you just tell me after all these? Why don't you just tell me? Let's just talk about it. Just tell me what really turns you on. She went, What really? I was like, Oh, whatever that is, I want to know. <laughs> what really turns you on? She went, For real? Yes. You really want to know? Yes. Seriously? Yes. Just tell me. For real? Yes. She went, black men. <laughs> How exactly am I supposed to work that into our anniversary, darling? <laughs> Despite this, things are going well. Um, <laughs> still together. <laughs> Kids are growing up. Um, Ozzy, my youngest, he's, uh, he's still a kid, really. I mean, you know, my, uh, Lucas is 14 now. Ozzy's like 11, so he's still a little boy. He needs, he's a very bright, amazing boy. He needs to get off. He needs to get off the Xbox. He has to get off the Xbox. <laughs> Please, bloody addicted. Play this bloody Xbox. 
And I come in there all the time, I'm like, come on, off. I said five minutes, it's been 45 minutes, you were lucky to get away with that, off, come on. He's like, I'm coming in a minute, Dad. I'll be there in a... <laughs> Sorry, that's not his voice, I don't know who that is. <laughs> he is far more middle class than that, let me tell you. I'll be there momentarily, Papa, just give me a few more minutes and I'll, I'll be wrapping up shortly. Post taste. I don't know who that first kid was. Hello, mate. I'm your son. Does that come as a surprise? <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you, Dad. How come I'm from the East End <laughs> and you're Chinese? I can't get the end of this. You're kind of a family and I live in here. And I just see Mum reversing down the road with a black geezer. What's happening? <laughs> Fly out the window. She looked happy, happier than in a while. I've got to tell big grin in her face. Don't know who that is, sorry. So he's always like, I'll get off in a minute, in a minute, it's always in a minute, in a minute. I don't think he knows what in a minute means. It's just one word, in a minute, I'm coming in a minute. You'll come off now, all right? Dinner's on the table, you come off now. I'm coming, I'll, I can't, I just, in a minute, it's a really important game. Please, this shooting game is Fortnite rubbish. I'm coming, it's a really important game, all right? Pause it then. I can't pause it then. It won't pause. You can't pause it, it won't pause. I can't, you can pause it. I'm putting my foot down. You need to pause it. I can't pause it. I'd, I'd have to kill myself. <laughs> Darling, it's not that serious. <laughs> no, I mean on the game. I'd have to kill myself on the game. Then kill yourself. I don't care. <laughs> this is what happens now. Every night in my house, I call up the stairs. Ozzy, kill yourself. It's dinner. <laughs> Get your friend to shoot you. It's bolognese. Getting cold. <laughs> Truth is... He doesn't respect me. I have no control over him whatsoever. He runs rings around me. He only listens to his mother. He laughs to my face. Every time I raise my voice, the other day I was like, come on, it's bedtime now. It's bedtime. Have you brushed your teeth? He was like, Dad, Dad, there's no need to shout. I'm standing right here. I can hear you. Calm down. He said to me, are you tired or something? Are you tired? <laughs> I suppose a little bit. I'm a little bit tired over there. <laughs> the other day he said to me, is your blood sugar level low? Do you need a snack? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, I am a bit out. <laughs> you sent me to my room to lie down. I have a little... I will. <laughs> the big news in our house is... Uh, well, we've got, we've, got, we've got a dog. We've never had a dog before. There's dog, dog fans. <laughs> got a little fluffy... Got a little fluffy dog. Little fluffy, lovely little fluffy dog. Mr. McFluffintyre. He's a very nice, <laughs> fluffy, fluffy dog. He's very loving. You know why he's loving? Because that's his nature. Different breeds of dogs have different natures. And I went on, it was like buying a car. I went on this website, www.something. www.whatkindofdog.com. And it tells you all about the different breeds and all the characteristics and how much you need to walk them and how much exercise they need, how much you feed them, whether they molt and all this stuff. And there was a category for love. How loving are they? How much do they love people? And it was all rated out of five stars. And I was only considering dogs that got five stars for love. Why would you bring an animal into your home if it doesn't love you the fullest? <laughs> and five-star love dogs, there's, you know, golden retrievers, Labradors, and my dog, the little fluffy Norfolk Terrier, he's a five-star love dog and you can see it in his eyes when he looks at me it's unbelievable he's like i love you so much <laughs> i'm going to give him a norfolk accent he's a norfolk terrier i don't know how he speaks but i assume if he did he would so like, i love you so much thank you so much for being my master thank you so much for letting me live in your house 
I love what you've done with the place. It's magnificent. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Like, you could do it. You could be an interior designer if you put your mind to it. <laughs> I think you could do anything if you put your mind to it. When I look at you, I feel the same way as an Asian woman does when she looks at you. I'm absolutely <laughs> I think you're amazing. I love the way when you reach up high, your jacket squeezes up like boobs. I love it when I hear you getting up in the night and I listen for you peeing and then he's up again. What a character. <laughs> I love it when you come out of the bath and you've got two red feet, one red arm and a couple of red balls. I just love it. <laughs> I miss you when you're away. I get worried about you getting bitten by sharks in Australia. I worry about you slipping on that big dick on the sex floor. <laughs> I know you're not a robot. You're one of the most genuine people I've ever known in my entire life. I love you. I'm obsessed with you. You know when you go out of the house, I, I know it's irrational, but I worry that you might be dead. I get in my head that he's only gone and died. My master, the true love of my life, gone and died on me. And then when you come home, I'm the happiest dog in the whole wide world because I'm a five-star love dog. That's my dog. went on the website to see dogs that don't get five stars. For love, one star, the Chihuahua. <laughs> Those little Mexican dogs with the googly eyes, they don't like people. Because <laughs> you run into different breeds of dogs. Because you'll take the dog, dog owners know this, you take them to the park and they want, to, they want to sniff around and stuff and they want to meet other dogs and they see them. It's amazing when they spot each other. And basically what they want to do, well what my dog wants to do is have a little very brief encounter with the other dog, which involves smelling each other's balls and then carrying on. It's a very odd. He goes up to the other dog, excuse me, mate, it's all right if I smell your balls. <laughs> and then the other dog goes, yeah, whatever. And then they smell it. And then he smells it. Have a go on mine. And then they go, thanks for that. And then they just carry on. <laughs> and they just spot each other from miles. Away. And then the other dog looks at him. So, and then sometimes dogs are mean. They don't want to smell because he's a little puppy. Like some German shepherd will sort of be coming along like this. I'm the German Shepherd. I'm the German Shepherd. And then my dog goes over, excuse me, mate, it's all right if I have a quick sniff on the balls? Absolutely not, you silly little puppy. Look at the size of you. You couldn't even get up to my magnificent balls if you tried. <laughs> Do you think I'm going to stoop to your mini balls? Disgusting, stay away from my balls. <laughs> get a French poodle, come along. And a French boudin. <laughs> My dog comes over, excuse me, mate, I was wondering if I could get a... I just got quite badly treated by a German shepherd. I was wondering if I could get a quick sniff on your balls. Listen, before Brexit, it would have been fine, but I'm not happy. <laughs> I don't think you made the right decision. No, you have not made the right decision. You know? Maybe before, but now I don't like it. The way you vote is very rude to the French people. You're not part of this anymore. You, know, you, you want free movement of people, but you don't get free movement of your nose to my balls. Not anymore. <laughs> get away from the balls. <laughs> Afghan hound coming over. Please don't touch my balls. I am, in normal circumstances, I would, but things very difficult in my country. I have to go home. Very many unrest in my region. I must go watch CNN. Please, balls are not available right now. <laughs> Once in a while, you get lovely dogs, like a little Scottish terrier comes along. Oh, hello! Ah, fucking feast on those, pal! Get your face again! Go on, I'm in no rush whatsoever. I'll have a go on yours in a minute, just enjoy! Get right the fucking there, pal! But chihuahuas! Oh, every time, every time you see a chihuahua, the owner's like, whoa, 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 whoa
<laughs> and you could see it in his eyes. He says, I'm like, of course, of course, of course he's a bit nippy. He's a one-star love dog. Do your research. You can see him going, I know I'm a one-star love dog. I don't know why she bought me. I don't like her. I don't like other people. Why she not do her research on the internet? When she tried to come close to me, I tried to bite her because I don't like her face. I don't like her children, her husband. You know when she goes out of the house? I hope she's dead. I do. I pray for her dead. And get me out of your handbag, you fucking witch. Monster. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out and sharing this super fun night with me.